Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eagleburg Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander. We're so excited that you're joining us today, but I'm even more excited because I'm here with my co-host, Don Grafham. Don, how are you doing? I, I truly, felt like you just, truly. you just laughed when you said my name for some reason, but we're still here, John. We're still doing it. I am doing great. Let's just go ahead and timestamp this one. We just came out of baptisms. Oh. And over 800 people got baptized. I was there for the full day Saturday and Sunday. And you just watch nonstop baptisms, people getting transformed and declaring that in front of you. It just never gets old. It's incredible. Oh, man. Incredible to talk to so many people. I had a chance to be there as well, baptize some people, and just to hear their stories, how... God is moving. Mm. God is moving. Anytime you feel discouraged, anytime I feel discouraged, I know you do too, but man, just to be reminded of the stories of those people Mm -hmm. um, stepping into the waters, how powerfully God has moved in their lives, despite some awful circumstances Mm -hmm. often. And we just sat there and said many times to each other, like, Mm -hmm. These people had no chance, yeah. and God somehow saved them mm-hmm. and redeemed them. Yeah. It's just incredible to hear stories. So, yeah. so we're fired up about that, but we're yeah. also, that's what we're going to talk about. This is uh, episode number 21, if you can believe it. Yeah, baby. And we're going to talk about um, not just what fired us up about baptism in this previous year, but we want to mm-hmm. talk about what is going to fire us up for this upcoming ministry year. And I know, Don, as you've led the campus pastors, our 10 campus pastors here, you've put some thought into this mm-hmm. to cast some vision to them. Mm-hmm. And it so inspired me that I wanted you to share with everyone um, who's listening to this podcast. So why don't you set up this conversation a little bit? Yeah, well, just for fun, 11, 11 campus pastors. You know, we have an online campus pastor too, we call him. Yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> don't tell Jeff Hey, Dodge. online, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if Jeff's paying attention. We'll see if he's listening. I said 10 locations, yes, 11 campus pastors. There you're you right. It's also, at what point do we just not say the number I anymore? don't know, just a large group of campus yeah, pastors. Yeah, a large group, it's a large amazing, group of campus I, pastors. <laughs> I was with them a few weeks ago and had a chance to kind of cast this vision of what I'm excited about for in the upcoming year and came up with five things that I'm especially excited about that we can get better at in this upcoming year. And I think you'd resonate with these too. But just to set this up, uh, a few weeks ago, I had our small group getaway, just the guys the guys get away Friday to Sunday. We went to Crosby, Minnesota, where there is the Cuyuna Trail. John, you haven't been to Cuyuna, but it is the epicenter of the mountain biking Minnesota community. Uh, if there is a Cuyuna rider out there, let me know. But it has 60 miles of single track trail. Now, the only reason I know that number is because I looked it up when I was heading up there. <laughs> I said that to the guys when we got there on Friday, and they said, well, sounds like we have a goal. We're going to do all 60 miles. So that meant that we would probably go biking five times over the next three days. And about Saturday afternoon, we had done most of the trail system. And then we realized that there was a brand new trail system, a brand new trail that was not connected to the trail system we knew. So we had to look over maps. We finally navigated our way there on Sunday morning. We kept getting lost on dirt roads that were supposed to take us to the trail system. Every time you stopped, it would take slow reception to get your map up. And then horse flies are chipping at us. We're disagreeing over which way to go, but we finally found our way to one of the new trails. We get on this new trail. Again, this is single track and you don't really know what's around the bend or over a hill. The first guy gets up over the hill and on the other side of the hill is this pretty much black diamond boulder system that he had to navigate through. He wipes out. We all laugh, take pictures. He's okay. We go a little further, more boulders. 
a little further, there's a ledge that you're biking across. A little further, there's berms. We're in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, we come up to this dad and a 10-year-old girl. She's on this black diamond, like, elite course. And we actually, they were at the top of an obstacle. We carried her bike through the obstacle, which we would have carried our bikes through, too. And then we set them down and we told the dad, like, there's better courses over there. They were clearly lost. (laughs) And what it just dawned on me is that sometimes we can get lost in where we're going as leaders, or we can get lost in a large organization like this. Are we all on the right trail? Are we all going the same direction? And part of what I think our job to do is to create clarity over where we're going to go. And that's what I was hoping to lead the campus pastors and our campus teams toward. Let's get clarity, make sure we're all on the same trail going the right direction. We don't have time to be Mm -hmm. lost. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't do a lot of mountain biking right there. I don't want to get lost. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) But when you talk about staying on the right trail, uh, talk about that a little bit. What's the trail you want all leaders to remain on? Yeah, no, that's good because it can get blurry for a lot of different reasons. But the trail for us is the mission. We're empowered by God to reach others for Christ. So let's always go back to that trail. Let's go back to that pathway. And just to be clear, because I think it's pretty clear, but not all churches resonate with this, is that we are called to reach lost people. It is Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, the whole Matthew 28, go and make disciples out of all nations. And then even 2 Peter 3.9, that he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish. And then I love the, the spirit of Luke 15, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and then the lost son, is that that was always deep within Jesus was to go for the lost, was to leave the 99, to go for the one. And then when he would find the one, there was the great celebration. And so if there's any church struggling with what I believe we're called to do, it's to reach the lost. And so that's what the path is. We need to stay on that path. And here's five ways that I think we can do that a little more effectively. Okay, yeah, what's the first one? Okay, number one is you have to pass the bus test. And I know that this is a little bit of a morbid setup, but we've all heard that leadership question. question if you were to get hit by the bus, <laughs> I know it's terrible. <laughs> Who's going to be there to fill your position? Uh, yeah. And, and I've thought about this one a lot, is that I do not think we pass the bus test as a church, as an organization, is I think most leaders, when they vacate their role, they could be promoted, they could go to a new site, they could go somewhere else, we typically find outsiders to fill the role. Well, why don't they have a a volunteer or another staff member that they've been training and developing so that they're ready to backfill them? Is that I think we should just naturally have uh, people that have been trained for roles so that when we vacate a role and move on, that there is somebody to backfill that role. Now, just for fun, when I met with the campus pastors, I said, let's just name out a couple of our best uh, current pastors. If they were to move along, is there somebody back there there ready to backfill them? And the honest truth is not really, is that a lot of our pastors, our leaders, do not have somebody ready to backfill them. And we have to get better at passing that bus test. And uh, I just think that has to be an area of focus for us. If we're going to continue to add sites, if we're going to continue to grow as a staff, we better learn how to pass the bus, yeah. the bus it, test. It's funny, when you first taught this, the way I heard it was that, we need to pass, like go around the bus. <laughs> That's right. And then when I read that it was about, mm. you know, who's going to replace you if you get hit by a bus, yeah. 
took me a while to dial that in. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not just passing buses, and no, we're not trying to drive a bus. <laughs> yes, you know, because I've bus. had that yes. too. I've had my bus license. Pass the bus. That's test. right. The bus test. I yeah. think one of the reasons I've, I've reflected on this a lot. Mm-hmm. You read about the best leaders are people who think about who's going to replace them beyond their term, mm-hmm. beyond their time. Yep. I think John Maxwell, and I'm going to butcher, butcher this, but um, I've always heard him talk when I've heard him speak before that as soon as you get into your role, you should be thinking about who's going to replace you. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get into that role, who's right. going to replace me? Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> one of the reasons that leaders, and I'll confess, I probably have thought this way too, one of the reasons that leaders don't think this way, and maybe you can speak to this, Don, is because we're afraid of being replaceable. Mm. There's some job security in thinking like, well, who else is going to do it? Well, yeah. I mean, they need me, right? I, yeah. I mean, without me, I mean, how are they going to? But again, great organizations recognize that those people who replace themselves will always have a job. That's, again, what Maxwell mm-hmm. teaches. I mean, he just told his people, if you mm-hmm. find someone to replace you, you will always have a job. Yeah. But there's an underlying insecurity in all of us that thinks, well, if I'm not there and they do it better without me or that person actually is a little bit better than me, mm-hmm. how do leaders overcome that? Have you had to wrestle that down? Have you seen other leaders have to wrestle that down? I think that's a real thing that people have to um, figure out in their own leadership, like that insecurity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think job security is definitely a concern. There's other questions around job security, but also I actually think I can do it better than somebody yeah. is the other side of yeah. that too. And if I if I delegate this to somebody, they're not going to do it quite the way I would have yes. and maybe not as good. Yeah. And to be honest, that could be true. Yeah. But if you can sacrifice some excellence for the sake of future, I think the organization wins. Yeah. And sometimes we have to be okay with delegating, letting somebody maybe even stumble through it a little bit with guidance, of yep. course, so that it's for the sake of the future. But but you're right, we have to check our ego at the door. Yep. And sometimes that even means that what am I going to do might be the question, yep. is we have to find other ways to best fill our time so that we're equipping people for the future. I think we have to be okay walking somebody through a time where it's not as good as you would do it. But I think you're right to have people replacing you is such a critical part of what we do. If we're going to be Back to the the path, a global, you know, gospel. If the gospel is going to go global, we have to get more and more people engaged. Yes. And so it's our job to pass the bus test, get more and more people engaged in that, and do whatever we can to set them up to win. Yep. So leaders, no matter what role you're in, what seat you're in, um, just spend some time thinking about this week. What would happen mm-hmm. <laughs> if you got hit by a bus? It's terrible. Get over the morbid part yeah. and start thinking about. Who is going to, all jokes aside, yeah. um, just a key question, um, especially as we move into this next ministry year. But mm-hmm. all right, second way to stay on the right trail, to stay focused on that mission. What are you excited about? How do we stay on that? Give us the reason number two. Yeah, we, we have to strengthen our commitment to teamwork. And this organization, like I would guess many others, have the tension of lots of different people, lots of different opinions, lots of people telling you even which path to go in some ways. This is the strategy of the day. And here's an example of this. My wife works at a store and they're currently doing some renovations at the store she works at. And so the corporate team comes in and does the remodeling. And she's in back and she can see how the things are getting put in place and how they're actually going to work in the day-to-day operations. So here's an example is... Uh, the main thing that they're doing for the addition is to have drive-up 
operation, you know, where somebody orders ahead of time and then pe- people bring their groceries out to you. It's a great service, by the way. Yeah. Oh, but they have the, the hand trucks or the carts all the way in the back of the warehouse. And she's like, we need those like all the time. Why wouldn't you have those up front? In real practice, we need to have those. And then she pointed out how there's shelves and they actually designate what goes on shelves. And they had the shelves up top that were ha- having different baked goods, perishable items, but they were right under the heating duct. And she said it was compromising. And, but corporate doesn't quite see that. And so there was a disconnect between corporate and what's happening at the store. And I said to the campus pastors, isn't that great? That would never happen here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and they laughed for obvious reasons because sometimes we do have a disconnect. But it's so important that campus and central in our world is working together. And, and really, that goes for all organizations, is that how do we make sure that we're working not just in our little pocket, not just in our silo, but with other, other team members as well? So I even, I even had the example of, are we working well with your team? Our campus is working well with production. Are we working well in the way that communication wants to work? Are we working well on websites? Are we working well with finance for that matter? Are we working well with HR? Are we working well with all central leaders? Let's be great at that. Let's be great team members. And I think that this is one of the best parts of our church, and it's one of the toughest parts of our church, are these relationships, especially across areas, you know, these cross-functional dynamics. So tricky, how do you think we get better at at teamwork? And would you agree that this is a critical part? Oh, it's absolutely critical because uh, you can do ministry by yourself, but man, it's lonely, it's more painful, and it's not nearly as effective. Mm-hmm. And in order to really achieve at the highest level um, in any role, you need to be a great team member. And I think you do that through, I mean, you mentioned a few of these communication, um, I think mutual in- encouragement, edification of one another, mutual challenge. I think too, if you bring your best, um, that inspires other people. So that is an individual attribute, like you're bringing your best effort, but that's what it means to be a great team member. Um, My boss, our executive pastor, Tyler Gregory, and I had a conversation, not about me, but about culturally accountability. Mm -hmm. You know, are you holding yourself accountable Mm -hmm. to the deadlines that you have suggested to other people or said to other people, not mm-hmm. suggested, but actually said you were going to, yeah, I was going to send this video on Thursday. Right. Did you come through or not? That's what it means to be a great team member. Mm. Um, I think um, casting vision too, um, you know, when you are delivering something, so this is the corporate um, local store connection to Target, but Campus Central, when you're a central team member and you've created something that now 10 locations plus online, the 11th, mm-hmm. need to execute, um, are you casting vision over and over, reminding them of the why, not just here's how to do it, here's mm-hmm. how, here's what, here's mm-hmm. how, but giving them the actual why. So there's lots yeah. of ways to be good team members. I was thinking too, I, I coach a 10-year-old baseball team taking up most of my summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I'm teaching these 10-year-olds how to be team members at all. I mean, they're so individually focused. You know, their whole world has revolved around themselves and so when they strike out, when they're discouraged, when they ground out, they're discouraged. And we, we could be winning 20 to nothing and they still come back in tears. Oh, yeah. And so I'm often reminding them, it's about the team, it's about the team. And just mm-hmm. to brag on my son for a second, who's, who's a great player, but I think the reason people love having him around is because Maddox, my son, gets as genuinely excited if he hits a home run, which he doesn't, 
or someone else hits home run. I mean, yeah. equal amounts of excitement. He will go crazy mm. if one of his team members hits an excitement or uh, hits a home run. Right. And I think that's also what makes a, green te- a great team member. When you do something well, Don, when someone at a campus does something well, that I'm able to celebrate them, mm-hmm. um, even if it has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. So those are just some ways. What about you? What, what have you been chewing on? Well, I mean, I think just to go to the flip side of this a little bit is that what has the real potential to become toxic in our environment is the we versus them mentality. Is that we here at the store think this, they at corporate think that. My wife even said at different points, they have to like send in updates about how it's going at the store back to corporate. And they'll take a picture of, you wanted the shelves this way, you want it the hand trucks over here. They'll take a picture of it. And then as soon as they take the picture, they go move it back to how they want it at the store. I mean, just dysfunctional, at least at those little moments. And we just can't have that. But it is just the friction of, you know, how do we work best together as a team? Yep. And when, when a certain pocket of a team or individuals talk about another leader or about another part of the the church or organization and it's not positive, yes. man, it can get toxic yes. really quickly. Yes, we just man. have to protect against that. Mm-hmm. We have to be really careful. Yep. Yep. That's really good. Well, we got to strengthen our commitment to teamwork and, you know, we also got to pass the bus test. Number three, mm-hmm. how do we, st- how do we stay on the right trail? Oh, uh, this is one I've been thinking a lot about these days. Leaders convert complexity into clarity. Uh, what I love about a wise friend, a wise person, is that I can kind of give them a jumbled verbal mess. Here's something I'm thinking about chewing on, wondering about, and then all of a sudden they say, well, this is what you should do. And they just kind of summarize it in like a sentence. You're very good at this. I mean, you're very good at kind of moving through the haze and then saying, well, this is what we should do. And you just mentioned Tyler. Tyler's excellent at this. He's really good at taking all the blurriness and saying, here's the decision. I would say Jason Strand, too, our senior yeah. pastor, is very good at that. Also, <laughs> He'll yes. often summarize at the end of a meeting and say, well, here's the five things. Here's like, what how'd you is. boil that down? I know. Yep. And I do think that that's what leaders do. Leaders just take, take in all the, the busyness, and then at the end, they just kind of deliver, here is clarity. Now, to be fair, I'm not always great at this. I do like shiny things. I do like new things. So I can kind of wander and try different things on a different day. I've learned enough how to focus that in thanks to the organization we work at. That's helped me to learn that. But here's a couple questions that I asked the campus pastors to think about when I talked to them about this is, does your staff know exactly what you want from them? Do they know what you want from them when you have a one-on-one with them? Do they know what you they want from you when you come to a staff meeting? Uh, Do they know what to be expected when they come on a weekend? And maybe even like to ask your, your, ask the same thing for your team. Would your team know exactly what you want from them? And does their team know what to expect from them? Mm -hmm. And I just think a lot of times we leave haze. Mm -hmm. I think you and I have talked about this on here too, is that sometimes it's easy to sugarcoat things and say, it, it sounds better to say around here or maybe like this. Even you were talking about deadlines, even to you know, by the end of the week would be good. But really what, uh, what people are wanting is somebody to say, I need that by Thursday at 12. Now that can feel cold is to kind of be clear like that. 
But I do think that that's what people are looking for from leaders is just clarity. They don't want a domineering tone to it, but I think clarity is what people are longing for. And I think we need to get better. I need to get better at moving from complexity to clarity. Yeah. You're good at this. What would you say about- Well, yeah, I, I will say just to give you a real time example, just last night I was spending some time on leading a project for the fall. It involves four weeks, multiple departments. And as I sat over this document that had been, there had been brainstorms and ideas, I really was thinking, what's like the least amount of words I can put on this paper to make it as simple as possible? Mm-hmm. It was a lot longer before I sent it to you and others, and even still it felt a little long. I was trying to create, but I was trying as best I could to take what was really complex and simplify it. So I would say on that note, and this is hopefully not a tangent, um, you need to be clear with not just verbal communication, but written communication. Yeah. How many times do we receive an email that's 500 words, <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's seven paragraphs, mm-hmm. and you're like, who's ever going to read? I mean, I will save those mm-hmm. 10 times out of 10 and be like, when am I going to have time to mm-hmm. read through the complexity of this yeah. email? Now, there are times you have to draft a long one, and I get that, and you've done that, I've done that. There's times like, okay, I got to get it all down here. But man, I just think the more, the more often you can take a complex, uh, wordy, um, situation or thing that you're um, trying to pull off or the information you're trying to get out and just clarify it, simplify it. Because mm-hmm. um, simplicity is a really close cousin to clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say you asked me, you know, how do I do this well? And I would say sometimes I do it well. That was an example of a way I was maybe trying to do it well. Other times I've told my team, um, I'm comfortable living in the gray. Mm-hmm. Gray feels confusing and complex to people. But me personally, if we were to wrestle down a decision and it's kind of like, well, it's somewhat this, somewhat that, I will often leave those like, oh, okay, I'm good with a little bit of this, little bit of that. But what I found, and you said this, I'm just yep. reiterating it, right. is that more often than that, people want, don't give me a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Just tell me the thing that I need to do, yep. the deadline. I've had to confess to my team many times and say to them, hey, you know what? You're right. I was comfortable living with that kind of confusing and gray. I need to bring some clarity. And then I will go back and and seek the clarity that they're looking for because leaders, again, convert complexity into clarity. So I agree with you, but sometimes our personalities get in the way of like, I'm actually good with it being a little complex. I don't mind it. Right. A little confusing. So I've got to work through my own personal preference to provide clarity to people. Yeah. It's really good. I just think our people deserve that from us. And it's one of the ways we can be kind to others is to be clear. Yes. And sometimes it feels like it's cold, like I mentioned, just to say it like it is. But I've just found that that just that just helps. Yes. People just get it. They know where to go. <laughs> yes. Even if they disagree. Well, at least now I know. Yeah, you want to stay on the right trail. I've I've beaten my head against the wall several times saying to people, have you just told them mm-hmm. like exactly what we've been talking about? We've talked around it, but have you just like said it to them? And their answer off me like, well, no, not exactly. I'm kind of this and that. Like, yeah. why not just say what you need to say to them? Because mm-hmm. that's that's ultimately what they need to hear. Anyways, that, that's, that's good. good. We could have a whole podcast on that. Maybe we will yeah. someday. But number four, tell us how to stay on the right trail and why you're excited for yeah, this Yeah, number year. four is another area that I'm still growing in too, is to develop a goals-centric culture. I am a fan of goals. I set them regularly for myself. 
Uh, where I break down is in the accountability. I'm not always good at coming back uh, a week, a month, or 90 days later. And I was partially confessing this to the campus pastors is let's all work on this together. And now some campus pastors are really good at pulling out the scoreboard. And just to, we've talked about scoreboard, but just to reiterate it, we really have six metrics that we're all paying attention to as a team. And five of them are around our values. So we see how many decisions that's at the center of our bullseye that we talk about. And then we're looking to see how many people are uh, spending time with God. And so we have a Bible app is mostly what we're following on that. That's one of the hardest ones to track. Let's be honest about that one. But that we're tracking that because that's a value of ours. So we want to keep it front and center all the time, connecting in community, how many people are getting into a group, how many leaders we have. That's a key metric that we're paying attention to. How many people are serving? We want to have a goal for serving and be tracking how often, how close we are to that. And then people living in generosity. And so we hold a, you know, we set kind of a watermark for when people pass over that, when they cross over that, that we know that they're being generous people, they're being intentional. And then we also track attendance too. So these are the six metrics that we have to keep in front of us. I have to keep bringing these in front of the campus pastors. And then my hope, and this is part of the clarity, so this is kind of bundling these two together, is I want them to come and talk about their scoreboard every time we have a one-on-one. So how do I help be clear on what I want from a a one-on-one? I want their scoreboard for both their site and themselves. So bring your scoreboard update and then bring a staffing update if there's anything we need to talk about. And then let's talk about yourself or your soul. How are you doing on the inside? So when you come to a 60-minute meeting on -on one-on-one, talk about your scoreboard for yourself and your site. Let's talk about staff. And then let's talk about your soul and how you're doing on the inside. And that's how I guide my one-on-ones. I don't know if that's the best way. Sometimes, you know, I tinker with others, but that's been some guiding principles. But I have to start by talking about scoreboard because a lot of times that one will kind of drift away. So how about you? What are some ways that you keep goals metrics in front of you and your team. Well, this is, yeah, this is a little more difficult in our creative arts world. They feel a little less mm, responsible uh, (laughs) for, not not general, I stopped that sentence the wrong way. They feel a little less responsible for the goals. Like, how much can I really impact um, how often people connect in community. Now, if you're marketing and communicating, of course, but if you're a music pastor, that's a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. But we, we, we definitely need to do a better job of this, of keeping goals um, front and center. We've talked and used some of this language from, um, oh man, I'm going to draw a blank on the book, but lead and leg measures. Mm, yeah. Four this disciplines of four execution. Four disciplines right? of execution. That's right. And, um, you know, we talk about lead and leg. Ba- basically, lead measures are those things that you can do every day, every week that will result in you achieving those goals. Mm-hmm. And the leg measures are the things that like happen as a result of those actions. So, for instance, yeah. you know, you can say, um, I'm going to uh, recruit 20 more group leaders. Right. That's potentially a lag measure. What the lead measure would be is I'm going to um, cold call five people on our database every day, every day no right. matter what, and just yeah. talk to them about groups and introduce myself. And so we focused a lot more on those lead measures. The lag measures are things that are oftentimes on the scoreboard and things, but we, we want to do those things that, yeah. that reach out to that. But again, goal-centric. I mean, you inspired me on this to keep them front and center. Obviously, this last year during COVID, during the pandemic, during being online, it was a little bit more difficult to, yeah, <laughs> to adjust and track some of those. But as as a um, culture, as a staff, we're doubling down mm-hmm. on being focused on this, on 
on tracking these goals, on having goals that are built around our staff commitments to right. um, to one another. And so I know we're entering that season as a church, and and maybe a lot of people who are listening are. You know, they have a similar ministry year or or similar timing to the year flow of the year where they start thinking falls that that time where they're resetting goals, resetting um, things that they're focused on. And yep. so again, that's what we're doing as a staff too. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think even I just met with a campus pastor right before this, and I just said, "What metrics are you paying attention to?" And he rattled off about four numbers of this is what I want to see, and this is currently where I'm at. I think that's awesome yep. that somebody has that, and I think. Speaking to the leaders that are on here, that's a that's a question to ask the people you're going to lead. And you're right; the fall is the perfect time to be mm-hmm. asking what metrics are important to you. What do you want to see, and where are you? I mean, and even if it's not as clear as we've had these six, you know, that we've been tracking a long time, start with that question: what what metric is important to you? Where do you want to go, and where are you currently? Yep. And then let's talk about it again a month from now, or ninety days from yeah, now. Absolutely. And then I think it can start to. Uh, be a part of your culture yeah. moving forward. And individually, I hate to use another story about my son, but I was just thinking about this yesterday. Right around the age of nine or 10, my older brother, who was nine, 10 years older than me, started teaching me about goals. No one had taught me about goals. I was nine or 10. And it seems crazy that I was this young, but truly it was nine or 10. He was 18, 19. And uh, we had many conversations about goal setting, dreams, how to achieve it. Here are the steps to get there. And that was around the time that I started having this dream of playing baseball as long as I could, being a professional baseball player, playing in college. And Ryan told me, it's awesome to dream that way, but now you got to set goals, things that you need to do every day to achieve and get there. And I just had this thought, my son is about to turn 10 in August. Man, it's time to start talking to him about what it means to set goals. Because yeah. it's so important to, to not just do this as a as a staff or a organization, but individually, mm-hmm. how do you set those goals? How do you be goal centric? How are you moving towards achieving something, a God given vision? Mm-hmm. And uh, again, that's that's a primary way to stay on the right trail, yep. which leads to the fifth and final thing that you're excited about. The reason that we can all stay on the right trail here. What's that? Well, this is just so critical to encourage a faith filled foundation, and it would be wrong if we didn't talk about making sure that God is the anchor point in our lives personally and professionally. Uh, If we all wake up every morning and start our day either literally or figuratively on our knees, asking the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us into each and every day, imagine the kind of person, imagine the kind of staff, imagine the kind of church that we can be. I think we all long for that. I don't think any of us want to be led by human power. We want to be led by divine power. And uh, what you just talked about just in your last little piece there, I think is so critical is that we believe what we're talking about down to our toes to the point that it's like life principles. It's how we would lead our kids. And so uh, one thing, I don't remember if we've talked about this, but one thing that's been important to me, my son, my youngest son is 18. He's preparing to go off to college in a couple months. And so one of the gifts that I gave him for his senior year was to write him a series of letters starting Labor Day of 2020. Now, a parent when I've shared that with other parents, they applaud that. I'm not sure what my son thinks about that. You know, like, oh, I'm going to get a letter regularly throughout the, the year. I tried to hit weekly. I didn't hit weekly. I've probably written over 20 of them, though, maybe 25. And they're just shorter letters that he can put in a book. And the very 
first one that I wrote and the purpose that I did this is that within every parent is kind of this internal clock that goes from when they're born till they're 18. And this clock is already ticking for you as you even say 10. You're like, oh man, eight more years under your roof. And at about 18 is when they tend to launch. And so we're just on the eve of Caleb launching. And so I knew that. And one of the the compelling stories for me is I had a friend drop his kid off at college. He cried the whole way home. And he just said to himself over and over again, there was so much more I wanted to teach him. Why didn't I teach him about this? Why didn't I say that? And I can already tell you that I'll have some of those regrets. But one of the ways to get in front of that was to start writing letters of some wisdom to my kids. I did this with my older son too. So I'm going to read you one of them. Uh, and they're short. Is that okay? I'll read you, mm-hmm. read yeah, you, be great. Read you one page. Yep. So uh, this one was called Know What You Believe. And it, here's, here it goes. We live in a world of tension. Should we make people wear masks or not? Obviously, I started this months ago. Should we open something up or keep it closed? Should we meet in person or do it on a computer? Should we look, uh, should we look for college in a warm place or stay with the familiar? We constantly live with two sides or more pulling at us. This was true throughout the Bible. One example of many is Daniel. He was told to live in a certain way, to eat certain food, and to bow down to a foreign god, but he wanted to remain committed to his one true God. What should he do? eat or not, bow or stand, there was regular tension for him. The same is true for our beliefs today. What will you choose to believe? You will receive messages from friends, the TV, the internet, and social media every day. How will you know what to believe? How will you know what truth is? Over the next few weeks, we will dive in on nine different beliefs that I've come to see as anchor points. These will keep you steady when the bombardment of different messages becomes overwhelming They will also provide stability, strength, and peace when life isn't. Let's talk about these core beliefs soon. And then I just rolled through, you know, kept talking each day about one of our beliefs. And then I, we met and we talked about what it means to have beliefs you die for, those you defend, and those you discuss. But the reason I I share that is because I do believe that faith is the critical part of who we are as leaders, but also as people. And to any person listening, it starts with just your daily commitment to connecting with God, listening to him, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you and through you. Let's not work on human power. Let's work on divine power. It's what I hope for for my son as he launches to college. And it's what I hope for every person listening is that they would put Christ at the center of their life and allow him to guide them and direct them. So good. I don't have anything to add to that. Mm -hmm. That was a great finishing word. Well, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if our church and our leaders you know, we're led with Holy Spirit power. And I do believe if we have those kind of things in front of us in this upcoming year, uh, God's going to do great things. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do. That's great. Thank you, Don. Thanks for teaching. Thanks for sharing those uh, five things to be excited about, five ways to stay on the right trail. Yeah. And uh, that's what it's all about. And maybe we will go out mountain biking sometime. Oh, I've asked like me that. a couple times. I think I've told you no three. So if you keep asking, I'll I'll eventually. I know I'm going to wear you down. Yeah, please. I I want to. I do truly. Do you believe me that I want to go? Yeah, I (laughs) know. I do. I really do. Okay. I've got little kids at home. I it's just it's a different phase of life. But I'll get out there at some point. Okay, I'll keep trying. (laughs) But thanks for joining us, you guys. That that is all we got for this episode of the Eagleburg Church Leadership Podcast. Again, uh, you know, no pressure here. But if you if you want. To stay in the know, we're releasing these every month. You can subscribe. We'd also love to hear thoughts. Leave a review for us 
Um, But we just believe when leaders get better, the church gets better. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you for the next episode of the Eagle Church Leadership Podcast.